Welcome back to Geek Life, Panamanga.com's very own podcast. I'm JP, as always with me, my fearless co-host, Brian. Let's do this. Joe. I already did this. <laughs> and with us again, we have, from AskAMetalhead.com, Justin. Man, I'm a regular now. You are a regular. <laughs> four podcasts later. <laughs> Hopefully, we keep having you on here. We just love to have you around. Yeah, Good I love people, it, man. man. Definitely be here. All right. So, uh, no housekeeping this time, so why don't we just jump right into the indie spotlight of the week. This week's indie comic is Rapture Burgers, created by Chris Hill and Adam Douglas, art by Mimi Alves. This is a really funny comic. It's got like a very interesting sort of humor, you know? Mm-hmm. Within the first couple pages, it really grabbed me because because of the subject matter. Essentially, the story is this. Well, you know what? I'll just go ahead and read the About Us page. First of all, the main character's name is Camille, and it's a guy I don't know. <laughs> they even make a joke about it a little ways in about Camille's a guy's name, and and he's like arguing with this clerk at like a thrift shop. Plus, a lot of people call him Cammy. Right, Cammy. There you go. And anyway, looks really effeminate. Yes. Yeah, and he has wings in wings his hair are, that is just not explained. It's just that saw that? Okay. no. You know, well, I think it's like it, it's even in the characters section. All right, yeah. so here we go. So Camille got dumped. So he's taking over the world. His credentials? Well, he's delusional and paranoid. He's a middling high school student with only two friends. He's got those wings on his head. What's with that? Okay. (laughs) They make fun of the sun. Nice. Okay. I didn't say he had completely thought it through. It could happen to any of us. Rose just broke up with Camille, irreversibly setting him down the spiraling path of becoming the next iron-fisted, all-powerful ruler of Earth. But first, baby steps. For now, he only has the help of Sydney, his best friend and chronically apathetic sidekick, and Rose, his sensible ex-girlfriend and brand new nemesis. And Camille has many obstacles in his way. He must survive the last year of high school, face the wrath of his fellow students, not to mention get a grip on his rapidly deteriorating grasp on reality. It's a lot of shit, but hey, every villain started somewhere. Witness the rise of Camille as he struggles to become the world's next great overlord. Maybe he's crazy, but of course, the world, now more than ever, is a fragile place. Maybe he can pull it off. So that's that's the idea, right? Mm. And it's, it starts off basically with Camille having this like crazy prophetic dream where he's in this this like wasteland on this like dis- desolated planet. Falling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this disembodied voice just is like... Camille, this world is a representation of your heart, and it has been fractured and destroyed, and it is all your girlfriend's fault. You must become the next ruler of the world. <laughs> and he wakes up, and instead of being like, that was a weird dream, he's like, I should do that. That's yeah. what I should do. I should just become the next. Which is funny, because in his dream, he's like, really? Because I thought I was fine with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he didn't even really have a problem totally with it, but for some it. reason, the dream, the dream disembodied voice is like, no, this is what you need to do. And he just wakes up, he's like so gullible. It's like, all right, well, sounds like a the plan. The crazy thing is, is I don't even think in the dream it says you should take over the world. It's just talking about how, like, your world's been devastated with Rose breaking up with you. And then he wakes up. He's like, oh, well, time to conquer the world. Oh, that's then. right. No, he wakes up and he goes, of course, everything makes sense now. I'm going to conquer the whole world. Yeah, the voice doesn't even tell him to do that. It just says, this world is a representation of your heart. Yes, this world has been devastated by pain and torment. This is what she has put you through. <laughs> and so somehow he, his takeaway from that is, I know, I should just 
take over the world and just become an evil overlord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. That's well. I mean, the, the funny thing is when I first when I first saw this, I thought to myself, "Oh, the Brian's gonna love this." The <laughs> Brian, as a matter of fact, used to own the website WorldDominationFoundation.com. <laughs> We're perpetually joking about Brian being an evil genius and trying to take over the world, rule the world with an iron fist. The nicest evil genius I've ever met. <laughs> what was it that somebody called me recently? A sociopath with a heart of gold? Shit. <laughs> I like it. That's awesome. That's great. I feel like a jerk because I just didn't get all of this from what I read on this comic, man. As a matter of fact, your explanation of it was more enjoyable for me than reading it. Really? So perhaps I'm going to, but I am going to go give it a reread because that explains some of it. Him being sort of, mm. you know, it helps me understand it a little better well him just being kind of a whack job well yeah, i just thought this is just another vapid sort of teenage angst comic book and yeah that's kind of what i got from it but now having heard that uh, that about i'm like oh well maybe i do need to read a little further right well you know th- but i did like the whole thing about and again you know there was some confusion for me like is this a guy is this a girl and I think I had to wait until he was trying a coat on and didn't have a shirt. And I was like, okay, that's that. And even then I was like, it's a very flat chested guy, girl named Camille, or, but I'm okay with that. You know, whatever, you know? So, you know, perhaps that's, that's great when he's actually in the uh, thrift store, right? He's in the, you know, he's looking for a trench coat. Like that's, you know, once I have my super villain trench coat then, and he like goes through all the stuff and like, for some reason there's like an S and M outfit, right? And it's, like, yeah, all this random shit. Yeah. And the best part, is, is as he's leaving and he's getting and he's checking out the, the clerk you know the clerk's like did you find everything and he's like yeah i found just fine but that that s&m section's kind of weird she goes yeah i know yeah. <laughs> it's just like okay yeah, like because exactly. every thrift shop has just bondage stuff for some reason uh, i you know the adult store i used to work at we never took anything back that's a big no-no. Oh, yeah, right? You do yeah. not buy secondhand sex gear. <laughs> oh, shit, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Life lessons here. Shit, man, Never. I got my flashlight for 15 bucks. <laughs> Used. Uh. <laughs> oh, just kidding, just kidding, just oh, kidding. Oh, man. You know, another, another, funny, another funny part from the store scene as he's going to get his trench coat so that he can mm-hmm. really have his gear. Mm-hmm. Is, is he's basically he like finally finds a trench coat and he goes off on this crazy montage not mon- he goes off on this crazy tirade about and then I will take a blah 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 you know and and like the background turns to these like craggy cliffs and it's lightning. this you know lightning and everything like that and a- after he's had his tirade the the clerk is like so you all set there and <laughs> right and he's right and it, like, it backs up and I love it when they do this where somebody's just having this crazy imaginary scene going on and they're just elaborate and insane and then like real the real world reality of what they're doing at that very moment becomes clear and like the camera pans back and it's like oh no wait he's just instead of like standing on the the precipice of this like crazy craggy mountain he's just got a foot on a pile of clothes and <laughs> and he's like his capes billowing behind him and he's just like ah it's just like in the middle of a fucking thrift store right right <laughs> but the clerk she's like so i did i hear you saying something about Take, taking over the world and he's like no 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 i just i, I just here i'm gonna buy that i'm gonna buy that and, and then as he's walking out oh, there's a sign on out on the outside of the building that says megalomania sale aspiring rulers of the world get 10 percent off and he's like <laughs> nice. son of a bitch <laughs> nice i have never seen that sign 
why don't they have that when I was trying to take over the world? Yeah, I know, right? <sighs> there's there's a lot of fun little kind of Easter eggy t- sort of stuff in this one. I, I really like that. There's there's something about the humor here that reminded me a little bit of like Scott Pilgrim. Is it somewhat self-deprecating? Is that what you like about it? Or well, no, it, it's it's more like somehow the writer's like, hey, you know what? This would be funny, and then everybody was like, yeah, but that's really random and weird. And he's like, well, fuck you, I'm doing it anyway. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. I mean, if, if you look at Scott Pilgrim and you really read the comic book, I mean, the movie's wild enough as it is, but if you read the comic book, there's a couple points where it's like, well, all right then. Did, okay. Because it doesn't make a lick of sense, some of the stuff that happens in that comic book. And that's one of the greatest things about Scott Pilgrim, is that it proves that if you've got a wild, crazy, creative idea... You know, half of the, how to put this, sometimes when you're coming up with a story, you come up with some ideas, you come up with a sort of a a direction to take something, a little joke that you could do, you know, a character or an arc of the story. And a lot of the time we shoot our own ideas down before they really have a chance to blossom because we think, oh, that's just too weird or outlandish or that wouldn't work. And something like Scott Pilgrim is just full of just the crazy shit that most of us go, nah, we're, that'd be funny, but nah, that's that's a little too crazy. And it's just, it's just fucking full of it. And that's something that reminded me of this, is that this comic has so much just like, wouldn't it be funny if? Fuck it, let's do it. And it's full of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like A good example of that is the beginning of the second issue, he's having another dream, and the voice, the big disembodied voice oracling his rise to evil power... He, like, is walking through this desolated landscape that's supposed to represent his psyche. And he, like, calls up and he's like, oh, I'm back here again. I hope this isn't a regular occurrence. And and then he starts to try and talk to the voice, expecting it to be there. And the voice is like, oh, all right. Uh, I was kind of eating a sandwich. I was really, no, I was really into this. Sandwich. I was really into this sandwich. And, and then, like. You want some? Yeah, exactly. Well, and then, then later on, he's talking and he's like, okay, well, whatever. And so, so the voice starts to kind of get into the normal routine of, like, oh, this is what's happening. And, and then, like, the next page, the voice, like, kind of loses track of what's going on. Is like, did you want some? It's pastrami. <laughs> it's just like, what is happening? But it's, it's just, it works. It's really funny, but it's so off the wall. But it, I think it works. Yeah. What I actually liked most about it was the most recent, I think, three pages Mm. where he sneaks into the office building and his (laughs) evil plan is to destroy their coffee. (laughs) And when the boss comes back, baby steps, right? Baby steps. Oh, when the boss comes back and sees it broken down on the floor, crying, then raises up, do whatever you have to to bring me this boy and I will do anything in my power to make sure he is punished. (laughs) Like uh, the, the just the drama that yeah, they bring to just the mundane, normal stuff mm-hmm. is so great. There's a couple points where basically after he decides he's going to be an evil genius, he starts to become very animated about the way that he interacts with people. I would imagine more so than the way he would act with people before he decided to be crazy and take over the world. Mm-hmm. And so he starts to take up the habit of whenever somebody surprises him or comes up from behind him, he goes, Danger! <laughs> And it's just like that That right there is just another example of just like a wacky, crazy thing that's just really funny and actually really hits the mark and, and works well. The high school is called Attila, Attila the High. Attila school. the High. It's great. <laughs> so did we have any other thoughts about the story and the humor and everything like that in the writing? Or do we want to start talking about the art a little bit? I'm still trying to figure out why he has, I'm guessing it's a little sister that I guess guess hispanic or not i don't know what the hell's going on there <laughs> the, the relationship between the two of them is really funny though when he's working on his computer and 
They're just so cavalier about the whole thing. He's like, oh, I'm going to be an evil genius. And she's like, oh, well, you know, if you're going to do that, you might as well only have this, this, and this. And he's like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> it's just like, okay. <laughs> I can't think of anything more evil than little sisters. Yeah. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Maybe I, little I brothers. I love how, like, when they don't want to talk to each other or want to ignore them, they're both like, no habla inglés. Right. <laughs> I'm going to have to give this another read because... I didn't, I, again, I feel bad. I didn't get that from the first read, yeah. but as I've sort of gone through a couple panels and I've started to see some, I think there's a little bit of brilliance here. Yeah, I really do. I didn't pick up the first time. Yeah, so. super, superficially, it's kind of hard. You yeah. need to give it a maybe four or five more pages than you would. I went through the first two, I went through the first two chapters and I just didn't get it, but now I get it. I'm seeing things. I'm like, I wish I would have got this the first time. I'm disappointed in myself. Oh. <laughs> I suck at reading comics. <laughs> How could I do that? No, I mean, but I, I'm going to give this guy another read. So and it's actually really, there's really a, how to describe. It's like you run a bit of a risk when you start a comic that at least in some way is based on a kind of classic trope. Like you said, like that whole teen angst, my girlfriend dumped me, melodrama ensues, I'm going to act out. It's like, man, we've heard that story a million times. It's taken up so many different forms. It's like, it's tired. We're, we're finished with it. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody comes along with a a really genuinely good idea and a way to breathe life into a played out storyline, a lot of the time it's hard for us to really give it fresh eyes and, and a real genuine chance yeah, and it's too familiar by that point, right? right? Exactly. We've seen it so many times that you sort of it's predictable, and that's the thing. I think I think I got that, which was my own bad perception of it. Sure. And then the rest of it was very flat for me. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of those little depth things. You know, he gets kicked off in the second, the start of the second chapter. You know, he's the whole. You know, well, there's mustard on it, and I know you don't like that, but get used to it now. Get out, and it's his puppy that kicks him off the planet, or you know, brings him <laughs> back into reality. And I just thought it's kind of funny. No, there, there's there's a so, lot there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of kind of little gems. It's it seems right. to be pepper. Like I said earlier, with that little you know, that little tie in of the clerks begins to mention something about, Hey, what were you talking about with the taking over the world thing? And we're all assuming that she's thinking like, well, what are you talking about? Right. You're being crazy over there. But sure enough, they have a discount for people right. who are about ready to take over the world. This is like, yes, it's awesome. At the thrift store, no less. Well, that's well, it's the, the best the place. Megalomaniac thrift store. <laughs> of course. You all got to start out somewhere. I, I want to have a mega low mania sale. That's pretty completely great. <laughs> mega low. <laughs> That's what it's mega hyphen low hyphen. See, even mania. that is fucking brilliant. <laughs> know, right. So. Oh, man. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the art. First off, I want to say I actually really enjoyed the character designs. I thought that they were fun. You know, even in the About Us page, they talk about how weird the, the wings, wings are yeah. and they just don't get explained. So, I mean, at least the little bit that I, I mean, the bit that I've read, it's still not quite explained. Yes, I don't know what, what no, that's about. No, it's, it's so just, far not explained. Yeah, right. You know, are it's they hereditary? Kind of, no, they're not. No, just him. The, huh? the parents, I didn't see him on the parents. It's pretty rad feathering. I mean, <laughs> maybe he's got, I think there's going to be some sort of 70s tie in. Oh, dear. Some hair metals. Out. He's bringing back yeah. disco. Well, yeah. metal hair metal hair is high. Ah, it doesn't right. have epic feathering, right. <laughs> which is what this is. This reminds me, of, I mean, his hair for just a moment reminds me of Heather from the third grade. And, you know, she was amazing. <laughs> and she had the best feathering in her hair. But what killed me about Heather was that year for Valentine's Day where everybody got full-size Valentine's cards except for me. Oh. So, Heather, if you're out there in listening land, 
you. Thank you very much. And your perfectly feathered hair. Her hair was fucking flawless. It was like, it was literally gorgeous. It was Vince Neil circa. <laughs> it was like Vince Neil circa, you know, <laughs> home sweet home video. Nice, nice. You know, as far as the character design goes, there was one thing that, that stood out to me that bothered me a little bit, I guess, was that. For the most part, everything is really clean, there's good proportions, even with the action shots or the, the extreme cinematic camera angle shots, it's well done. But there are a couple moments where the faces get kind of skewed. Not like they're distorted in a way to suggest that the camera is at an extreme angle or something like that, or they're moving really fast and has that rubbery cartoon thing going on. But there are just times where it's just kind of a little skewed, as if... I don't know, it kept making me want to, like, take it into Photoshop and then transform the head. You know, like, do the free transform and go, and just kind of pull it back into place. And, I don't know, somehow things are just tweaked. All of a sudden, they're like a rhombus-shaped thing instead of a rectangle shape. You know what I mean? Like, it was, there was just a couple times just kind of like, oh, why did, why? But for the most part, it's really, really solid character design. Yeah, and it evolves over time. Yeah, yeah. take a lot more detailed step. This is definitely one of those comics that has grown a great deal in its time mm-hmm. online. Absolutely. It's probably one of my favorite parts of webcomics. You get kind of a rare opportunity to see you know, kind of behind the scenes of somebody. A lot of the time when you get exposed to an artist, it's after they've kind of made it. Yeah. Or after they've at least gotten to a certain level of skillfulness and experience that they can put something out that it's reasonable to dump a bunch of money in and print a bunch of tray paper hacks and go spend $300 and have a thing at Ape or something like that, you know? Yeah. Whereas with webcomics, you get to see people in the earlier stages, right? Yeah. And so that's one of the great things about it is you get to see you get to see growth. And there's a lot of growth in this comic. And it's really, really the, the art style grows and it just gets better and better. Did you guys notice the pretty clear kind of Japanese manga influence? Yeah, I, I saw that. I definitely caught that. Yeah. Actually, I'm looking at a panel right now that really defines what you're saying. And I can't tell you what page it's on because there's no listing for it. But in one panel, Camille looks like a boy that's shocked. And in the very next panel, it looks like a girl. I mean, right, it's like the, I glam- really the glamour sh- shot. I, yeah, I really struggle with that sort of dynamic. But again, perhaps there's a vocabulary here. Mm a visual vocabulary that I'm not used to yet. So you may be used to it and comfortable with it. For me, it throws me off a little bit. So I may not be speaking the same language yet because I've only, you know, I've only looked at, like I've never been really read a lot of manga. So, you know, I look at this and I think, okay, is this just something that's in the sort of quote unquote language of the artistry of it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. There's definitely, well then I forgive him. (laughs) (laughs) One of the other things that stood out to me was the choice to go grayscale. We talked last week about hordes of neurons, where a lot of the time it is grayscale. And this one is, is all kind of that monochrome grayscale. But one of the things that's really nice is that it's it works really well. Grayscale can become this sort of wall of just muted color where nothing really stands out because you've got gray on the characters and gray on the backgrounds and gray on the floor and gray on the walls. And mm-hmm. so that, that can be kind of a challenge instead of just black and white. Cause with black and white, you can really get a pop to things. I think the shading, you know, back to the, I think the shading is really good. There's depth. It makes sense to me. And there's nearly a panel that is flat and boring to yeah, look Yeah, no, at. the characters still manage to really pop out, which is not easy so. when you're doing all gray. I think the only thing that, that I would... I mean, it doesn't really vibe with how I would choose to do it, I guess, which, you know, who cares how I would choose to do it? It's not my art, but 
One thing that I always prefer is I like kind of sharper lines. I like that tune shading, like a hard delineation between one layer of shade and darkness to the next within the same color. And this has a lot of that really smooth, back to the feathering, has that really smooth <laughs> feathering. It's got kind of a, a nice blur, that, that shading, that gradient between things. And it's nice, but, you know, I don't know, I just, I would rather have, because this is so cartoony, mm-hmm. I would rather have, if you're going to do color or shading or something, just buy into it and do the whole thing in a tune sort of style. Having something that is so cartoony, but then the shading is done with that eerily smooth computer shading blur, you know? Mm-hmm. There's just something about that that just doesn't fit. And at times kind of comes across as a little weird and amateur. Yeah. But that's not really how it comes through here. It, it works. But at times, that's sort of how I've associated it. And I find myself wishing that it was just the sharper lines. You know, if they're going to have a coat that is this dark shade of gray, and then there's the highlights that are a little lighter, and then the shadows that are a little darker. I would rather have just a hard line between those delineations with mm-hmm. the color, or I mean, I guess the light and dark, in comparison yeah. to this sort of fuzzed fade line. Like, I would really prefer to have it. I would be curious what it would look like if it was like that. Because if you're going to go in the direction of the, that sort of smooth shade, man, go all the way. Go painterly. Do the watercolory kind of look, you know. Does this... I have to. Does it pull you out of the story to see it like this? To see this, does it does it detract from the story at all for you? Does it pull you? Does it remove? You know, I think when we read these comics, we have a certain much as when we watch a movie, you have that sort of suspension of disbelief, which sure. I know is a silly thing to right, say right, right. for a mega maniacal guy who happens to be I don't know, eighth grade or ninth grade or whatever with wings, with wings in his hair. <laughs> he's a high schooler, Vince Neil. Right, he's a high schooler. So does it? annoy you to the point that it pulls you out and you go, fuck, I just wish this was drawn differently. Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's your critical eye because you're an artist. And we talked about this a little bit earlier outside of the podcast that very likely, you know what I mean? Which is valid. It's totally valid. Yeah. I mean, that's part of one of the reasons why we do the spotlight and what we look for is we try and really dig into the comic Mm -hmm. and really see what there is to see there instead of just as a passive viewer because anybody can just kind of thumb through it and read the panels and not really pay attention to the pictures and go oh but um i get the joke haha that's funny that's one thing that we try and bring to the table as people who really spend a long amount of time really looking into these comics from all these different kind of art styles and all these different mediums that we try and really investigate what's there and draw more out of it i've had several people comment that we've done spotlights or reviews for comment that's like, wow, I never even really noticed that about mm-hmm. about my own comic. Right, I, right, you right. know, it's like, but we we see consistencies in the style, style choices that they make, and maybe it's just something they go, oh, it just looks better to me, and that's how I do it. Right. But we go, oh, well, this is what you're doing right here. We try and pick something out and find it, you know. And, and uh, it's unfortunate that Pinku's not here because she's excellent at that. Yeah, she's right. really got a very critical eye, and she's just a very fine artist. And it's fun to have her kind of in the group, but, but yeah, that's well, kind of what I we mean, strive for. I'll, I'll be honest, that was one of the detractors for me early on as I thought, this is very amateurish looking drawing and it, it's not impressive. Yeah. But I'm reading, you know, I'm comparing this to like, I'm reading Saga right now. And if you've read a page of Saga, it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. So I look at that and I look at this and I think, but again, there's a beauty in that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm so, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm always open-minded about art on web comics because honestly, I've seen great web comics that are stick figures, which is what about my skill level. Yeah. And yeah, well, just, seen, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you can I've tell seen, a good story. And I've seen crappy web comics that are almost photorealistic yeah. detail. Yeah. yeah. It pains me to say this because even though I do write and draw 
or illustrator, whatever you want to say. Comic artists don't like to be called comic artists. They like to be called illustrators. But anyway, I do write and illustrate, but I do really more identify as an artist than mm-hmm. as a writer. Mm-hmm. So kind of have to swallow my pride a little bit and say, at the end of the day, the most important thing is the writing. It is. Yeah. The art is there to communicate the story. But if the story sucks, it's like building your house on sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you can build a lovely home. You can draw amazing pictures. But if the story is terrible and the characters are uninteresting and it's not going anywhere, it's like, who gives a shit? You know, yeah. it's, there's it's a great a parallel with video games in this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. you know, you've played games. Well, like, God, this game is beautiful, but it's boring. Yeah. Or, you right. know. Uh, one of my oh. favorite quotes, it's actually about a former NFL player, but somebody once said, yeah, this guy, he's all show, but no go. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, it's interesting that you said that the art seems kind of amateurish at times because, and this is maybe something that I perceive because I make comics myself and there's more that I'm seeing, but the frame pacing and the use of negative space, the way that they lay out the layout for the pages Mm -hmm. and, you know, has a really nice open feel. It really directs your eye to where you're going. It's easy to read. You never feel kind of like you're stumbling through as a really nice flow. And I got to tell you, like, regardless of the actual character art and background art, there is a huge amount of skill that goes into making a comic easy to read, that making the panel layout really clean, right, right. to putting the bubbles in the right place, to using the right kind of fonts, to knowing when to stretch the size of this panel, knowing when to forego using a panel entirely and just have it go out into like all the way to the bleed edge and just have the page cut off. Mm-hmm. It is not easy. And this is done masterfully. However you feel about the actual line art itself within the the frames and within the page the actual skill of storytelling for the comic layout is excellent in this really really excellent there's a lot that goes into that the, you the take right. that for granted almost you do take you that know you granted. really do take it for granted you do take that for granted but the, until you come across a comic that is just hard like to oh read. my god it's congested and awful and it's and just which part of this am i supposed to read right yeah. exactly yeah. yeah and this is just oh, it's just it's open it's airy it feels like a breath of fresh air you breeze through it it's easy to read yeah. it, it goes quickly it's yeah so i mean on that level it's very high quality yeah mm. very high quality and again I can't draw to save my life. I can very basic. If you played draw something against me, it would be laughable. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I don't suck, but I am not a skilled artist. So for me to criticize it is really nitpicking because at least I can understand with no confusion what the expressions are supposed to be conveying. So I guess what I, I think it's probably part of it is maybe it is part of the shading that throws me off or makes me think. Yeah, yeah. I really I really do feel like that's probably one of the biggest missteps is the choice to do that. It actually it, it gets reined in a little bit more in the more recent comics, mm-hmm. but it's still there. And there's just there's just something about that computer gradient blur that just does not look good to me. Mm-hmm. And I, it seems like I'm not the only one that that feels that way. No, no. So yeah, the highlights and lowlights. Especially on a grayscale, need that sharp edge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, for me, I don't really mind the extra smoothness that comes with that. Sure, it looks kind of a little too perfect and just a little too smooth and uniform, but doesn't bother me one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Anything else that we wanted to say about Rapture Burgers? Actually, now that we've been talking about it more, I think I finally figured out what what drove me off it coming back to the early pages of it. Because like I said, I like the most recent little chunk of story that he had with the office and the coffee. Because the character was actually 
succeeding at something. He pissed some people off by killing right. their coffee. But those first, God, five, six pages, I think even 10 pages I got through, man, he just, he couldn't do shit. He's going to ambush his friend and got the crap kicked out of him. Right. He's in school and he doesn't know a goddamn thing that's going on. He jumps behind a sign when he sees his ex-girlfriend 50 feet away on a bus. Right. He's totally unrelatable and, you know. Just kind of manic. Yeah, they're comic characters that do everything right and they're totally unrelatable that way. And this one's doing everything wrong and is totally unrelatable. You know, a good character has balance between, okay, I'm good at this, but I'm f***ing awful at this. Yeah, just like a regular human being, that's exactly. what makes them relatable, is that they've got good and bad points. The first thing they described him as is... was Delusional, he, and, delusional paranoid. and paranoid. Yeah. And I think that, that for me, when you read that to me, because I didn't read it myself, I mean, I figured the About Us is like, here's us, the authors, right? Right. Because yeah. I'm learning by being on the show more that I really should probably pay attention to that stuff. But <laughs> you can't relate to that because you don't, you don't know what the playbook is for it, right? So here it is. They're making it up sort of as they go. Like, this kid's just, he's just whack. Mm-hmm. And I think that's perhaps something that will grow. The thing for me that I was really looking for that I've seen in really good comic books is somewhere in the last few panels, there's a hook. There's that cliffhanger that grabs you where you got to get the next one. Right. And yeah. I, at the I didn't end of each issue. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, something. These issues finish is a pretty complete thought. Right. I didn't get that, which that's just the style of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's much more, I guess, conversational because even after the final page for the comic, they typically have a little extra thing that investigates a little bit more into one of the characters or just kind of goofs around a little bit. And half mm-hmm. the time it has this really wacky wry humor. Right. And it's just, it's very relaxed. I interrupted you. I wanted you to finish your thought, but. Oh, it was good. It's um, gone. I didn't care enough about it not to interrupt you, so. No, no worries. It's gone. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, for those of you that are interested in finding Rapture Burgers online, you can find Rapture Burgers at raptureburgers.com appropriately. Find them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash raptureburgers, on Twitter at raptureburgers, and on Tumblr at raptureburgers.tumblr.com. Oh, yeah. There is a oh, theme. Man, that is awesome. That's a theme. Believe you, me, it is not easy to get the same thing all over the place. <laughs> We've had to bounce all over the place with our Pandemanga stuff. It's yeah. it's hard. So very well done. Nice, very unique and interesting and original title, obviously. Indeed. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so check them out. Really good stuff. Well, we're going to take a musical break. When we get back, we're going to review Kitty and Bats. You're listening to Geek Life. Stick with us.
Hey everybody, we are here at Free Comic Book Day at Waterfront Comics in lovely Sassoon, California, and I'm here with Christy from LHV Publishing. So, first of all, what does LHV stand for? LHV stands for Legends of Heroes and Villains. Okay, now you are an artist? Yes, I am. So tell me about your comic. My comic book is called Penny and Bats. Okay. It's a comic book that's loosely inspired and based off of events that's happened to me and my friend and stuff that we've said. It's completely exaggerated, so it's... A very violent comic book. Okay. There's a lot of pop culture references. That sounds fun. Yeah, pretty much the story is just Kitty and Bats going around killing whoever they want. <laughs> so two friends, one named Kitty, one named Bats, yeah. and they just murder people. That's pretty much. That's the pitch right there. Yeah, and they have a whole bunch of random little adventures along the way and some weird experiences with people. I don't always kill everyone. Don't, not just, always. No, just preppy girls and hippies that they tend to kill the most. So only people that deserve it. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I like the art style. What, uh, what are some of your influences? My two biggest influences as far as names are J. Scott Campbell, okay. who is very well known for Danger Girl, yeah. um, and Yannan Vasquez, Invader Zim, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Love their love styles. It. I take those styles and mix them with my own. And when I first got started, I was heavily influenced by anime, so there's a lot of anime mix involved. That is becoming more and more common and popular in the independent scene, is to have a flavor of anime. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... Which is good. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I no, think it's it great. Is. Yeah. It just it depends, because the style can get really annoying. Sure. If it's like just straight anime. It has to be really done tastefully. So yeah, sure, you know? sure, sure. I mean, I'm a huge anime fan, but after a while, it's like, okay, I get it, you know? Right. <laughs> so that's why I try to mix my style with not only anime, but the the twisted kind of art that Yannin is known for. Absolutely. And classical pinup style that Campbell's known for. Nice. Because I love pinup girls. Cool. Like, Thank you so much for talking with us today, and we look forward to reviewing your comic. Thank you. Absolutely. Welcome back, and now we're going to go ahead and review Kitty and Bats by Christy Bats Zerga. So let me just go ahead and read the, the inside cover here. It says in big, scary-looking letters, MATURE CONTENT! It says, Kitty and Bats is loosely based on actual events, quotes and thoughts from Diana Kitty Spain and Christy Bats Zerga. Everything in this comic is extremely exaggerated, and you should not take it seriously, although some of you will because you're stupid. <laughs> Anyway, Kitty and Bats is for mature audiences. There is a shitload of foul fucking language that that would make a sailor piss himself. Actually, there isn't. This isn't a Kevin Smith movie, goddammit. Aside from the language, there are violent themes and tons of blood, mostly to make up for the poorly drawn fighting scenes. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, but lots of blood is just as good as properly drawn scenes of some guy getting killed, right? You know what? Don't answer that. We don't care what you have to say. On a side note, we don't care how old you are when you read this comic. If you spend money on the comic, you're cool with us. This is just for legal purposes. Also, to all you whiners out there, guess what? We're using Comic Sans through this entire comic book. You know why? Because it's the most awesomest 
font in the history of fonts, and we f***ing love it, so suck it. Alright, much respect for standing up to the Comic Sans haters, because <laughs> I serious like haters Comic, for Sans, Comic Sans, yes, but people yeah. f***ing hate Just it. hate Comic Sans, yeah. Yeah, it's because funny. every fucking email you get from your grandmother or your stepmom or your mother-in-law about the cute little puppies or the elephant fitting through some weird, fight, yeah, whatever it's it like happens to be, is in Comic, comic Sans. Sans. I could give a shit. I don't fucking care. Yeah. As long as yeah. you didn't use wingdings, I'm cool. <laughs> like, you know, the funny thing is, is that there's a lot of there's a lot of fonts you can get online. Like you can go to Blambot, Blamblot, or Blambot. I can't remember. like a thousandfonts.com. Yeah, I mean you the can get you can get fonts that have a distinctly comic look that are not comic sans that like, like don't look like comic sans but look like they fit in a comic like they're all the big easy to read they're all capitalized all that sort of stuff do you know what the heavy metal hated font is what, what is it copper plate gothic bold really <laughs> that makes sense the Dia- it's you remember the original diablo diablo oh, 2 yeah. the yeah. logo for that god if you see a logo like a band logo in copper plate it's like do you even lift, bro? You didn't even try. <laughs> like you just got to copper plate. You got to as far as C, and you're like, oh, that's cool enough for me. So yeah. You know, speaking of the font, that's one thing that at first when I saw that, I was kind of like, all right, yeah, cool. I mean, stick to your guns. A lot of people give a lot of random hate to yeah. Comic Sans, and so hey, cool. But then I realized that they're going to boldly go and use Comic Sans, but they're not going to have it all be capitalized. They're going to have some things be capitalized, like normal, you know, like the first letter of a sentence. sentence Yes, exactly, Mm -hmm. which does not work for comics. You want it all capitalized. It is harder to read. I mean, not only that, but the text itself is actually really freaking small. And so Mm -hmm. on top of that, you've got not all capitalized, so it's not nice and loud and easy to read. It's, I don't know, you know, more power to you for choosing a font and being, you guys, for whatever you want to think we're going to use this font. But son of a bitch, don't. Make it hard to read the font and then stick to your guns. At the same time, make a good choice with how you're going to display the font, you know? Yeah. All like right. I, so what is the standard comic book font? I think. So, something, sense. something. I mean, it's going to be some something that looks familiar to Comic Sans. I just thought the name did Comic Sans because it was funny. No, like I... Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm, just, I'm not even... Like, for example, from Blambot, I use one called Anime Ace 2.0. Okay. That's probably my favorite one. It has a similar sort of look to Comic Sans, except it's tweaked a little bit. Mm-hmm. And just this is the one that yeah, I like to use. Like it's a, large, it sounds like it's really in the kerning. That, you know, have kind of soft edges and... Mm. Yeah, it isn't... It has like an all-caps, hand-drawn sort of look. Sounds yeah, it looks hand-drawn. feminine and sensual. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it, it's it's trying to be reminiscent of traditional hand-lettered comics where everything right, right. is capitalized because capitalized is a little easier to have it kind of fit and be... It also looks almost... It, it looks very engineered, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you look at engineering drawings, I know that this is not related, but you always write them in caps. Sure. Large audience, easier to read. Sure. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then there's, the there, there's, no ambigu- there's no ambiguity between A's and E's and O's and things like that so makes sense okay so in this comic they go ahead and use comic sans cool but then they they don't have it all capitalized which like i'm just gonna come right out and say that's a mistake you don't want to do that but at the same time you know with certain generations all caps equals screaming yeah but it doesn't it it, it's not it doesn't work it's not not a good choice and then on top of that it's it's a little small and then even beyond that sometimes there's little handwritten script sort of like notes and yeah. in the margins and things which are hilarious but sometimes a little difficult to read yeah. you know but they come through and there's it's like this little observation about the scene that she just drew it's just kind of like ah, you know it, it it works really well it's actually kind of surprisingly funny and that's one thing about this comic is that there is no fourth wall none zero 
Absolutely nothing. There is it's it's like there's no suspension of disbelief that this is it's, actually happening. It's it is all super tongue in cheek. It's Gonzo yeah. comics, right? Yeah, seriously. Exactly. Just as much as we talked about Rapture Burger having great paneling, I think for me that was one of the things I struggled with as I read this. Was I was really I had a hard time following the page flow. Yeah, sometimes it's difficult to understand what the next thing you're supposed to read is. Yeah, how the story's supposed to progress, and and on top of that, sometimes it got real congested. Right, yeah. right. You know, there, you can have it be really congested. We actually had somebody on the site a little while ago on one of the podcasts where I complain about the comic I'm just about to complain about. And they actually were like, I love that comic. But anyway, there's a, there's a Japanese comic called One Piece. And it's really, really very skillfully made, but it's super congested. It's like super compressed. There's lots and lots of information in a small amount of space. And it's well done, and so it works. It's readable, and it's like one of the most popular comics in Japan. But I would assert that it is really, really, really congested. Hmm. And that is a problem. Comics are supposed to be for fun. It's for entertainment, you know? Yeah. It's like it's one thing if it's a school book. You're kind of like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to push through it. But you don't purchase a comic and then go, well, I'm just going to push through it. If you purchase a comic, it's supposed to flow. Right, right. And so that's really high premium. It needs to be placed on it. Nice, clean frame pacing, good use of, like we said with Rapture Burgers, good use of, of negative space and you know, you know, good flow. It's easy to read, good, clean layout. Like That's that's really important beyond the quality of just the, the drawings themselves. It's got to be easy to read. You know, yeah. It's got to be fun to read more than anything. Easy is probably the wrong word. It's got to be fun to read. Well, yeah. speaking and of One Piece, you. I just want to say uh, to the creator of One Piece, I hope you get well soon. Um, he was hospitalized recently. Really? Yes. Hopefully he's um, not congested. No. It, it's <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Sorry, too it's, soon? It's one of these wah, things wah. where he's just been overworking himself. He's been working like 12 hours a day, six, seven days a week. So. Well, when you try yeah. to put yeah. that much detail into one panel, no wonder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. From what I've been reading in larger, more commercially, just more commercially available or more commercial comics, one of the things I always enjoy is you read them at your own pace. There's no implied timing in a lot of cases. Like I'll find myself reading through what I perceive as an action sequence very fast and then reading through slower dialogue paced sequences much slower. And I don't even know why I do that. It just happens to be that's how I sort of oh, yeah. read through it, right? They found like the guys that have been writing comics for decades and decades, don't ask me how, but they know the way to get the frame pacing and the art to work with the story progression to make you more excited and mm -hmm. kind of adrenaline rush through that page. Yeah. And I think the other thing perhaps that without ever reading that one piece, I think to myself, how much are you leaving me to fill in, mm -hmm. you know, the space between frames, right? One of the comics I'm reading right now is bone. I don't know if you've ever read bone, oh, but yeah. bone has like, there might be four panels on a page and two of those panels won't have any text or anything on them. And there's this timing that's there that it just drags you right into the scene for whatever is going on. And I find that to be incredibly fulfilling as part of the storytelling, whether it's a piece of isolation or whether it's walking from one side of the valley to the other. And you build that timing internally, which is really interesting because it's not being force fed to you. So that's part of the magic of sequential art. Sequential art by its very definition is one after the other. Yeah. Some people like to think that film is sequential art, but it's not. You're only ever seeing one image at a time. It's not. It's not sequential art. Unless you were to look at a film strip and see next, next, next. It's like in film, to move the story along, to make things like the action happen, you're actually 
showing one frame, then taking that one away and showing the next one. Whereas in comic books, which is in a more cultured way called or referred to as sequential art, you have things sequentially sitting next to each other. And it's up to you to create in your mind the motion between one panel and the next. Ah, you know? yeah. I've got a book for you to read. It's a really good book that really digs into all that sort yeah, of stuff. I'd be down for that. If those of you listening are interested in the book, it's Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. It's an excellent book. Helps you to really get a grip on how comics work, sort of the mechanics behind the way that we visually perceive the progression of the story. And it's just an excellent book for anybody who's interested in understanding comics. That's the whole point. It's a great book for anybody who's wanting to create comics too, because it gives you some guidelines and you can, you'll go away a little more well-equipped to be able to write good stories. Oh, good. You know, it's a great book. Yeah, check it out. So there's a lot, there's a lot to like here in this comic. There's, I say more than anything stands out is just a very wry sort of self-deprecating humor. You know, it's just kind of goofing around and really silly and also just making fun of all the kind of like silly, outrageous garbage in the in like, I mean, particularly in this book, because they end up stumbling into an anime convention. Ah, uh, yeah. They make fun of all the just the really ridiculous bullshit that goes on at an anime convention. And as much as I'm a total anime geek, I know where you're coming from. Like, I love watching anime. I watch copious amounts of it on a regular basis. But if you go to an anime convention, there's a little part of you that's like, oh, these people? <laughs> in, in fact, it's like, I know where they're coming from with this. In fact, they even say that in the comic. They're like, one like, of them's an anime fan. He's like, yeah, but I'm not like that. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, one of them's like, oh, anime people. And she's like, you like anime people. Or you like anime. And she's like, yeah, but I'm not like them. <laughs> right, <laughs> Just like right. how it always is, you know, it's like if you're in some kind but then of, if you look at her outfit right she is exactly <laughs> like them it's kind of all over the place like that because the art style is way heavily influenced by japanese anime. oh yeah if you look at the american manga the american anime where instead of it just being the way that it's drawn and that's just the style it's like styled after a style if that makes sense mm -hmm. so it's almost exaggerated even further hmm. japanese anime and manga is like a kind of japanese cultural perception of how to draw somebody and how to interpret this image a person or a situation based off of betty boop actually mm. and so then you take that and you go okay i see the key defining aspects of that and i'm gonna i'm gonna draw that because i want to draw like that and then all of a sudden it becomes like even more accentuated and it almost becomes sort of too much the eyes here are like bugging out of their heads like crazy huge you know there's mm. no care for the because there's measuring there's like an as an artist you have a clear understanding of how many eyes wide a head is how many heads tall a person is what the distance between someone's ear and someone's eye is and how the relationship between the nose and the mouth work together to make them look older or younger there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to suggest something to the reader and when you go way off the deep end with stylizing something like that you run into the challenge of making it difficult to communicate what it is that's going on with the character and who they are and what they look like and what their age is and what they're feeling at the time. And so you have to kind of go way crazy, stretchy rubbery, mm -hmm. which was what cartoons do. Mm -hmm. But this one kind of goes back and forth because they have some pretty well drawn pictures of the, of like a kind of a full page close up of this character where they're more people sized, you know, where they're more like five, six, seven heads tall or something like that. And then there's some other ones where they're maybe three or four heads tall or something like that. And they're shorter. And, and so there's just, it's uh, there's kind of a lot of inconsistency with the character design 
which is reminiscent of anime because you get the what they call SD or the super deformed characters uh, for kind of a goofy moment where the, people call them chibi characters. Where say your character normally is five and a half, six heads tall, then all of a sudden they're two heads tall and they're gooby and goofy and doing things that are physically impossible or something like that, just mm-hmm. to have sort of an over animated reaction to something. Mm-hmm. And so that works out really well for the most part. But it's kind of like it's almost I don't know. It's like it's not really clearly like this is super deformed and this is how they normally look. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's sort all over the place could be some inexperience could be not really understanding the theory of it yeah you know that's the thing is that this comic more than anything has a huge it like shows a a a really sharp sense of humor and a huge amount of potential you know in no way is the kitty and bat series christie's final piece her her, you know the ultimate thing that she's going to do in her life it's not at all this is this is early on so that's one thing that we see a lot when we're doing independent comics reviews and spotlights is that we see people like we said yeah with, with web comics is sort of yeah it's at it's, the beginning it, of exactly their, exactly right. and so we've learned to instead of just being like oh well that's not as good as the professional stuff where they're 30 40 50 years old and they've been doing it for 20 years and they make their money with this so screw it we've actually learned to appreciate sort of like you said the freshman effort and so it's really neat to be able to to develop a taste and understanding to be able to appreciate that instead of just be right. like, nah, unless it's like top notch, I don't want any of it. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's, that's what this makes me think of. It's like, this is, this is a really good early effort of somebody who has a huge amount of potential. Yeah. Now potential is the key word that comes to mind when I was reading this comic because it has such a good foundation. Mm-hmm. The jokes are there, even if they're really rough, but you can see them there. They're shining under the sand and yeah there's some diamonds to, in the rough you yeah, know you read yeah. through this just and there's some there's some shops that are like damn that's really going. cool yeah. just keep going yeah keep yeah. working keep putting it out there you'll get better and better and better yeah we have the first two issues and even the second issue shows a substantial oh, but, yeah, amount of yeah, the second one there are some actually really good pieces of art oh yeah absolutely i mean there's a lot of improvement between the mm-hmm. two and so improving at that kind of a rate is really exciting yes you know and like with issue one there was I get it, you know? It's one of those things where it's, yeah, if you're a teenager, it will definitely more resonate with you than somebody like me who's jaded and cynical and in his 30s and just doesn't care. But I totally get where they're coming from. (laughs) And I totally get at that time frame when I was in my teens and early 20s, that's kind of how I would think and over-exaggerate. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense for me. But like there were a couple in issue two, like... Birthday party and splat the cat. I'm like, because the issue two oh, is a bunch yeah. of short stories. Yeah, issue two is a bunch of short stories and birthday party where you just have a bratty kid who's hosting a birthday party um, and they kind of ruin it. And I'm like, yeah, I've been there, wanted to do that. <laughs> right. um, and splat the cat. It's like one, I'm allergic to cats. Two, cats and I usually don't get along. Sure. At best, most of us tolerate each other. You know, cats and I. There are plenty of cats that I just want to kick out of a window but i know that i would get the crap beat out of me and or shanked if i ever did that so like picking a fight with a local drug dealer's I'm cat like start. what is happening yeah well you know i know some shady people <laughs> evidently i'm gonna start a website called your cat's a dick because <laughs> like seriously i have two cats and one of my cats I'm fighting this cat for my pillow. I get to bed. I wake up with a cat on my head. I'm not even exaggerating this, but you fucking, I'm like, and once in a while, I'm like, I'll look at my wife. And I'm like, your cat's a dick. And she's like, what do you mean? And he just is, you know, he's like right out of the litter box and right onto our bed. Uh, like have some, have some 
fucking courtesy. Go take a lap around the kitchen. Yeah, God, please. yeah man. You f- and so I think that's cats are dicks, man. My dog, big, happy, lovable, goofy, oh, yeah. you know. But even sometimes, once a month, my dog's a dick. But the cat, the cat is just a perpetual. He's dick. just a perpetual yeah. dick. Well, you know, the the dog does an accidental nut shot every once in a while. Well, he doesn't have any nuts, but the whole well, point no, is girl. you. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. Hey, I love you so much. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You're like, ah, oh, dude. Cool. But at least, at least every time he lays down on me, it's not balloon knot right in my face. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that is about these fucking cats, but like, I, your head is more interesting to rub than your ass. So anyway. Anyway, back back to the comic. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You're talking about cats. Uh, no, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I think um, I definitely enjoyed it. I definitely would like to see more. I think that more than anything, my takeaway is lots of potential. Yeah. Lots of exciting things coming, I think. But we're going to take a musical break. You're listening to Geek Life. Stick with us. Christy were willing to indulge me in a little bit of constructive criticism, I would say that read some things like Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics. That would be uh, very useful. Mm-hmm. Understanding how you know some of the rules and suggestions that he has in there will be really, really beneficial. Do a lot of life drawing and get used to the process of, hey, okay, I'm going to draw this in a comic. Like, hey, I need to draw a charger. Do a study sit down and take a bunch of pictures of your friend's charger or go somewhere or find them online or, you know, whatever, and just draw until you're sick of drawing this thing so that you can draw it correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the stuff in the background, like there's a scene where they get out and off a bus and the bus is just like kind of all over the place. Yeah. Or the iPod where it's an actually like a, it's a picture of an iPod. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. you know, I would lean into practice for different things more. You got to... Yeah, that, I mean, that's it. You know, it's like that is the difference between quality comics artistically and comics that are still struggling artistically is that you got to go from reference. You right. Know, get photo reference. But I don't mean photo reference as in use photo reference for this particular image, although, of course, you want to do that. You know, if you've got somebody standing up from a table and you get a photo reference and you draw from that and then you tweak it to fit the frame, it's like, yeah, sure. But more than anything, do studies. Like I said, if you want to draw a particular thing or a particular person or a particular clothes or hairstyle, find pictures of it and draw it until you're sick of drawing it because then that's when you'll be good at it. Well, I think the difference between somebody who is good at this and somebody who is great at this or anything is somebody who is good at something is somebody who is passionate about it. But somebody who is great at something is somebody who prepares. Yep. Preparation is everything. And, and I think is, what I 
what I get from this is we can see that you're developing a voice. Yeah. And there's copious amounts of passion, right? You almost have your voice. You're there, you're getting close and that'll change over time. But I'm stoked by the audacity to put something out like this. Yeah. So what we would like to see, if anything, like you said, the sort of construction that I'd like to see is educate yourself on the art itself mm-hmm. and what you're... Yeah, it needs, it needs to be a little more polished. Yeah. And as far as the story goes, again, it, there's that great foundation, and but it needs the polish. Mm-hmm. Took a film class years and years ago, and one of the best things that stuck with me for writing anything is looking at the film Plan 9 from Outer Space. <laughs> and, Which is terrible. And my professor's description of why it's a terrible movie mm-hmm. is because, not because the acting's bad, because there's plenty of good movies where the acting's crap, not because the effects are cheesy, there's plenty of good movies where the effects are cheesy, but things like having things happen off screen that you just tell the audience, oh yeah, this is what happened. And we're supposed to just take that with a grain of salt. Okay, you could have shown us, maybe? Mm -hmm. And especially in a visual medium like comics, if you're going to have a reference to something that happened before, don't you know, list a paragraph of, oh yeah, and the last time this happened was this, this, and this. Show three, four more panels... Yeah, you know, this is visual storytelling. Yeah, flashback to it. Yeah, Yeah. comics are visual storytelling, you know? Exactly. Not every comic needs to be, don't take the graphic novel part so seriously, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. (laughs) Another thing is Plan 9 really alienated the the, the viewers. (laughs) (laughs) Pun not intended. But no, well, actually, the aliens were saying, stupid, stupid humans, you idiots, you're always doing this. You guys are such assholes. A lot of funny stuff, but a lot of kind of mean stuff is said about your potential customers <laughs> it yeah. is right all, yeah I was gonna, uh, everyone at the anime convention is irritating and ugly and smelly aren't these the people you're trying to push your books to right it's, yeah it's I, mean, I could see poisoning could, the well as yeah, it were yeah that was one thing i definitely wanted to touch on you, yeah, I mean, there's a lot you, you got to dial back the venom <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's some serious gur going on yeah. and, and there's a certain amount of that that works yeah. like there's a there's a scene where there's these two girls that come just bopping by and kitty and bats are sitting back and just snarkily talking about them. And and the girls' speech bubbles say, ha ha, we're stupid. And they just run off. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like, yes, it's so good. It's so funny, yeah. you know? If you want to make fun of people mm-hmm. and have that be part of your humor and your style, that totally works and it totally has its place. But you've, you've it's got to be done tastefully. Yeah. And there are lines that get crossed in this comic every once in a while, which is kind of yeah. like, whoa, you know? Like, yeah. that's not necessary for it to be mm-hmm. that angry. You know, that's one thing thing to have an antagonist character that you get to pick on that you get to beat up that you get to slice to ribbons that's cool but when you're doing it to the innocent bystanders then you're a dick right you're looking for someone to root for in this comic and there's like there's not anybody to root for yeah the two main characters that you're you're supposed to I'm assuming resonate with and get a kick out of and think that they're funny and entertaining. They're 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 kind of horrible people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sometimes I mean, mean isn't cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be like I said, it would be fine if they had another character or a niche group that is after them, like specifically I don't want to say attacking them, but doing stuff 
that is making their life miserable. Like Justin Bieber fans. It would be, I think, in the context of this comic book. I'm going to give you that. You can use it. It's going to be Justin Bieber fans. Yeah, that would be awesome. (laughs) You just want to have antagonists, you know? Yes, exactly. Antagonists and not bystanders. (laughs) These these two girls, they go through and they just leave like just this bloody trail of like poor people that just happen to be at the bus station. They're like, oh, we're going to murder you now. It's like, but why? It was your standing there. Ah. And isn't that reason enough? Of course. There's so many ways to write villains to uh, resonate with, but it's not by making them slaughter people indiscriminately. Yeah, for sure. Can your protagonist be a villain? (laughs) Can you? Absolutely. You know, actually, there's a comic that that I got an interview of, and we're going to do a review of a little while later, that's called Villain. Oh, okay. And and Mm -hmm. it is specifically about the story of someone starting out as a criminal and moving into becoming a supervillain. Yeah. No. Well, there's yeah. Dr. Horrible. Yeah, I was going to say Dr. Horrible. Uh, perfect. Brilliant. Mark Millar's Wanted. Mm-hmm. Oh, the brilliant. comic, not the movie. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, Wanted is good, huh? Yeah. Oh, the Wanted comic book is yeah. phenomenal. I'll have yeah. to check that out. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Uh, we even reviewed um, Flying Sparks. Yeah. It has an alternating storyline of the, uh, the hero or heroine character and the villain character and they're dating. They're the, secret the, their secret are dating, dating, which is nice. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's really slick. Yeah. Flying Sparks, 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 Sparks Comic. Flying Sparks Comic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little plug there. Yeah. Anyway, so um yeah, let's go let's go ahead and wrap up. I think uh, any any final thoughts before we give our review? Trim the color down. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the rainbow colors. Yeah. yeah sometimes. Well, but, they, but they explain that because they're both jacked up on something. Like uh, one of them is, is smoking catnip. catnip. Oh. You know, taking catnip pills. Taking catnip pills and the other one's smoking something. Okay. No, the other one's hopped up on coffee. Hopped up on coffee. Oh, so right. coffee and catnip. Okay. Yeah. All right. So well, I take that back. They're tripping. Be a little subtlety goes a long way. <laughs> Yes. Anyway, on the whole, I think that more than anything, the comic was fun. It was lighthearted. It had a lot of silly goofy moments it had mm-hmm. some razor sharp humor at times where it caught me off guard and i was laughing right out loud yeah the, the evil doll made me crack up <laughs> is she, the price on the front page 10 bucks it's on the back of number two yeah it's on the back isn't it that seems a bit high ten dollars us oh yeah that's but... epically high yeah. Unfortunately, when it comes to independent comics, there is a certain amount that the independent comic consumer is going to have to be willing to be flexible with. Right. Because self-publishing stuff, man, you don't get to you 10, know 000, buy right. ten thousand comics and and have and them for such a bucks a piece. Right, right. Exactly. You know, you can't get away with that. You'd never make a bit of profit. You'd be constantly in the red if you were selling comics for what a comic book store sells them for, mm, yeah. for the most part. You know. Well, I mean, not necessarily, but yeah, it's a much smaller profit margin. So it's understandable for them to go though. But 10 bucks, that's like trade paperback zone, guys, you know? Yeah. Let's go ahead and go around and give our review. Out of five issues, Brian? I'm going to give it a two and a half. There was definitely some things that I like. There were definitely some things that I either didn't like or I was like, eh, whatever. So it's got potential, but more often than not, it was kind of just meh. All right, Joe? I'm actually going to just give it a two. Like, again, lots of potential, and I don't know, I, I think I almost want to come back to it once they're maybe six or seven issues deep to see how much it's refined. Mm-hmm. But so you want to kind of like have a peek behind the curtain in the future and see see where yeah, it's going? I'm not too thrilled on sticking with it until then, Right. but I'd, I'd love to see how far they can go if, by any judge, their second issue is how fast Cause they Because it's, it's, it's improving by leaps and bounds, for sure. Yeah. So we'll break out the old DeLorean and flux capacitor then? Exactly. Let's yeah. do it. Okay, Justin. 
Yeah, I, I got to agree with Joe. I think this is a two for me. Mm-hmm. It was tough for me to read. So, so I'm going to go ahead and give it a, a 1.5. For me, this comic, I'm not sorry I read it. I, I enjoyed reading it, but <laughs> I, I guess my takeaway was I want to see more from this artist moving forward. When the, more from this this artist and writer moving forward, but I'm not real motivated to see more of this particular comic storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, like this series in particular, it doesn't really grab me. I definitely think that it's getting close to being so rough around the edges that it's just not something that I want. You know, it doesn't resonate with me. I, that's not to say that it's not going to resonate with anybody. I'm not its audience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, were I to be more in alignment with that audience be were I to be like a like a young kind of high school age girl who travels in those circles and observes those sort of things like I probably would be much more willing to look over some of the shortcomings and be like no I get that I get these jokes I understand where these girls are coming from and this is really cool and funny but to me I'm kind of older and lived through that and then have got some perspective and I'm finished with that way of thinking and so looking back this just feels like there's a little bit too much of a bite for me yeah. you know but yeah I really am excited to see where Christy is headed. Yeah. I think that it'll be really neat to see her stuff ongoing over the next couple of years. I think that three, five years from now, it's going to be really neat to see what she's coming out with. Mm-hmm. She's obviously has big brass balls and is just confident and pushing out a lot of really interesting, creative, personal stuff. And so I think that it's, it's safe to say that she'll be still making comics her own damn way, regardless of how we feel <laughs> um, in the future. And I'm excited to see what those are. I'm really looking forward to to the future of Christy Zorgas. Really, really fun stuff. And, you know, it's so hard to write characters that are a parody of yourself, like Kitty and Bats are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not easy. No, because you, you have to be willing to make fun of yourself enough without tearing yourself a new one Mm -hmm. that's a hard line to tell it's a delicate dance no question yeah yeah so you know personal characters that's a tough one so you're right big brass ones for putting that out as your first comic absolutely i'm not sure if this is the first comic that she's ever done or not but definitely one of the first few i would imagine oh yeah yeah. Anyway, well, thanks so much for hooking us up with your comic, Christy. It was really nice talking with you at the Free Comic Book Day, and we really look forward to your future work. Oh, yes. This gives us a chance to give a shameless plug to Waterfront Comics uh, in yes. Sassoon, California. Yes. Make sure to go to Waterfront Comics in Sassoon, California for all your comic book needs. John will hook you up. He's got all the comics that you could care for, along with one of the most epically impressive trade paperback collections ever. John is currently revamping his website with our help and is going to start putting out his own podcasts talking about things that are exciting and upcoming stuff for the comics of the next month and exciting trade paperbacks that are coming out and do some reviews and it's going to be a bunch of fun. So look forward to some big changes on waterfrontcomics.com within the next month or so. All right, well, um, I think that's about it for today. Thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at panamega.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is Justin again, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.
Well, thanks for listening for. <laughs>